What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This podcast is powered by the nonprofit Red for Responders. If you guys want to hear more about Red for Responders and what we do as an organization, please reach out to us. If you guys would like to donate to our nonprofit, please reach out to us. We are here. This episode is sponsored by No Matter What Apparel and Valor Supplements. Both companies are owned by first responders, so let's give back to first responders who give back to us. Use the code in caps inside the lab for 10% off your total purchase at www.nomatterwhatapparel.com. Use the code in caps RFR and then the number 1010 for 10% off your checkout at www.valorsupplements.net. This is our 35th episode, and I hope you guys enjoy this one. I had the honor to sit down and speak with Craig, who is an active law enforcement officer in the state of Washington. Craig speaks about why he became a law enforcement officer, what he does today in the community and outside of the community to keep himself busy and to keep everyone motivated in his command and outside. Craig is a humble and very, very, and I mean humble human being. And this is a police officer that every department should have or want to be like Craig. So again, thank you, Craig, for coming on the show. And thanks for everyone who's always supporting us inside the Labyrinth podcast and the mission in general. Stay safe and have a blessed week, everybody. And we're live. Welcome back to Inside the Labyrinth podcast. Season six, episode seven now. This is our 35th episode. So I'm pretty excited for today. Um, came across uh, our guest today while, uh, not today, oh, a few months ago. He was kicking butt in the jiu-jitsu world, and uh, he took part in our uh, virtual competition. So really excited to uh, hear with uh, hear what he has to say and, and where where he is at with his labyrinth. And he's all the way, as you know, we're in the East Coast, and he's all the way on the West Coast. Um, so please, if you guys enjoy this episode, episode, you know what to do. Like, subscribe. If you guys have any type of comments or people you want us to interview, first responder or not, please let us know we're here for you guys um this podcast is powered by rep responders a nonprofit in new york so enough out of me without further ado i'm going to introduce officer craig the bellevue police department craig what's going on man how you doing right now today where your feet are amazing thanks frank thank you for having me and uh keep up the good work you guys doing with your nonprofit there Thanks, buddy. I I appreciate it. Weather's over there is pretty good. It looks like you got the sun blaring in over there. Yeah, we got uh, a beautiful spring day. Amen. Amen. So uh, I know time is running against us here, so let's uh, make it happen. So bring us back to the listeners. Bring us back to young Craig, how Craig was in high school. um, Any sports? Did you like high school? Did you like school? And where? I don't know if you were growing up in Washington or where were you then? Give us a little picture of Craig then. All right. I was born and raised on Oahu. Grew up in a city named Aia, which is fairly close to Pearl Harbor. And uh, went to public school from kindergarten through high school, 12th grade. And Aia High School, Na'ali, that's our, our uh, mascot. We High school time, I was pretty much in the band room. I didn't really live outside of there. And uh, music was my thing from about eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade year on. So I, yeah, I played trombone all the way through college. And uh, 
I did cross country. Cross country, the high school team, we didn't have uh, cuts. So I was guaranteed a spot. And I, <laughs> I, did, JV, I did JV basketball too, but. Point uh, guard? Of course, bro. I'm center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't that good, but, you know, I, I enjoyed playing a lot of different. My parents exposed me to a lot of sports growing up. A lot of different, actually a lot of different everything. Uh, skateboarding, martial arts, and um, I think the blessing was now that all those little pieces of uh, what I was exposed to, I can use to connect with different groups in the community because a lot of people who play basketball don't skateboard and do jujitsu. I mean, they're all different groups, and I can use that interest that I have and that enjoyment and passion that I have from that activity to connect with all the different groups, and it's it's way more fun than initiating a conversation to me i i enjoy activity and um yeah it's, it's it's a neat way to use a skill or a hobby as a way to connect exactly yeah and i see you on the gram there with the either skateboard basketball jiu-jitsu all that stuff so that's that's really awesome uh how just to get the listeners to to if they don't follow you on instagram or know who you are how tall are you and what how much do you weigh right now uh, about five four, I think uh, without uniform, I'm about 135. Um, so not very big. <laughs> I'm right. big for like a, a fifth grader. So yeah, I, I I needed I knew right away from I don't know what age that I needed like technique of some kind from something if I was gonna be in a job like this and um, that's what I'm getting to. Fitness yeah. too doesn't fitness is uh, always a good thing. Um, you know, because I'm not going to get any taller and, uh, I could get stronger, but even that plateaus too. So, um, yeah, those things definitely made me appreciate knowing what, what to do and, uh, how to protect myself. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to hit on that in a little bit, because I know that, uh, that five, four, two, if you don't know what, uh, Craig does, uh, you're in a lot, you're in a world of trouble. Um, so after high school, uh, college, no college police on your mind then, or kind of hit us with that, both yeah. of the, both of that. I graduated, uh, after I've graduated high school, uh, most of my friends went to college. So I kind of followed them. I think that was kind of like the expectation from my family too. Uh, my mom's side has a lot of super, super educated, highly educated people, um, She's a, she has her master's in education. She taught public school for almost 40 years. Uh, she's why I actually didn't want to go into teaching because I see all the work that she did without getting paid for it at, her, at home doing lesson plans and um, preparing for the next school day. Uh, my sister is a doctor. Uh, anyway, I have cousins. Everybody's really, really academically like all-star. So I would be, I'd be like the black sheep for sure if I didn't follow, <laughs> try to go to college. And all my friends went to college, my close friends. So I kind of followed, went to the University of Hawaii at Manoa, the Manoa campus. And uh, I got tuition waiver from the marching band for University oh, nice. So kind of used the, another, another. That trombone pulled through. Trombone, man, paid off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even now it paid off. So uh, yeah. anyway, so yeah, we did call, uh, graduated with a BA in psych, psychology. Uh, I took uh, 
was on the six-year plan for the four-year degree and um six and a half years but hanging out with you're hanging out with freud too much (laughs) too much too much uh i don't know just not enough focus and direction but uh, i finished luckily and um and then after that i worked in behavioral health uh i was an aide one-on-one aide with kids that had uh teens that had varying degrees of autism in the school setting and the home setting and i did that for about three years and the, uh, I was actually a personal trainer a little while, uh, 24 hour wow. fitness. And okay. uh, really over the map with everything. Yeah. I know it all Great. over the place. A lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then I fell into uh, police work at the end. Uh, after that, after, after my, my parents were both very uh, supportive of all the things I tried, but I always felt like they were, they were waiting for me to find a, a very stable, uh, I guess, noble kind of job in their mind. And when I said I was going to do uh, law enforcement, I could tell that they had the, the, they were finally like, all right, good. I told them all the other jobs and they appreciated all the other things, but I think they, they like the stability of, of our, our line of work, you know, with um, stuff like pension, retirement, all those things. And uh, cause my mom was a teacher my dad worked in the department of labor. So they both had really strong, um, union-based jobs so yeah. anyway when i got into that they were they, were, they kind of like left me alone and let me be <laughs> so so how how old were you when you got on the job uh i was probably i think i was about 28 so late 20s okay yeah so was there a point in your mind where you're like i want to do this or let me just take the test of kind of what happens and you're trying because to me it seems like you're trying to you're trying to find a line of work that was giving back to others yeah, every, I think that's like a common theme, the service and uh, giving back. And then I kind of just fell into it because uh, I, had, I had high school classmates who were law enforcement back on Honolulu, uh, on Honolulu PD's uh, force. And uh, I, have a, I had a first cousin who was uh, actually is trying out to applying. And I don't know, at that moment in time in my life, I was just like, well, I'll do it. I'll, I'll try, I'll try to uh, apply too. And uh, that's, I wish I had a more exciting story about how I got into it, but that's kind of like how it happened. Yeah, and then I eventually, you know, it's Craig's story. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you said you have a cousin that's law enforcement. Uh, and is that right? No, uh, I'm the only one in my family. He, he oh, applied. Okay. He didn't get through the process. Gotcha. And, uh, okay. So you're the only, so you're the, basically the first Leo. Wow, first that's one. pretty, first and a lot, only of, one. lot of pressure on your back there. No, I'm kidding. That's, nah, uh, that's better because there's no, there's nobody I can set my own precedent. You know? Right. You could be you. You don't have to look up to father, like, you know, your dad or your uncle. And, and then that's where some cops I see, um, they got to be just like that, that, you know, them. And then they're not even able to be Frank or Craig and they put too much pressure on themselves. And, uh, they follow this fake imaginary, um, storyline that they create in their head. Right. Kind of like a game of Thrones thing. And then it's just not reality. It's not you. You're not living not living you well, i'll tell you what the standard that my parents my mom and uh for teaching she was a teacher right she said the standard to me is so high that i don't think i would be able to uh come close and i would always feel like even though there was no comparison she i would feel like i would have to compare or other people may compare you know and, and that's not something to stop somebody but same thing with uh i i say that it would be the same thing for if i went into medicine like my sister but there's no way i could uh, finish medical school or even get it, got into it. But uh, same thing, you know, I, there's a lot of other people in my family who were 
other uh, professions, uh, academic professions and uh, medical professions. And I just kind of wanted to, I'm happy that I fell into my own uh, path. Own, so I could yeah. kind of carve out my own way by myself. I call it the hero journey, your own little hero journey <laughs> along right. the way. Um, so when you first got on the job, I feel like uh, officers have uh, a few different ways of thinking about it. One is I love it, or two, what the hell am I doing here? I gotta leave. What when you when you got when you got there um, in your first apartment? What was your mind like? Um, big culture, big shock to you, or just how was it when you first got there? Um, well, I was lucky that we had uh, Honolulu PD's academy is really really good. It's what, probably one of the longer ones. It's it's about half a year, about a thousand hours. So um, okay, six months then. Yeah, NYP, it's really yeah. NYPD is six months. Okay. And then after that, of course, there's a uh, field training. Yeah. Uh, you know, like three months field training. And then uh, you get assigned to a, a area on Oahu. And uh, the whole time I had really good training, uh, a lot of good guidance from veteran officers. And then I got assigned to, it's funny because on Oahu, Oahu is small, right? There's uh, in, in geography, uh, but, so, but has a million people, you know, more than a million people live there. So lots of, uh, it's kind of like New York in a way, you know, it's very condensed. And um, the side of the island that I got assigned to, I would not really go, go there that much. Uh, so that was kind of neat to be working like in an area where- A new world for still, you, right? Yeah, new world, still close, but completely different from um, where I grew up. Uh, that was, I grew up uh, in Aya, like I said, and I worked in the windward side of the island, which if you were to go up uh, the northeast coast of it, it'd be Waimanalo, Kailua, Kaneohe, uh, Kahalu, and then up to uh, Laie, ha um, Haula, and Kahuku. So all the way up to the North Shore. Uh, it's fairly wide and spread out too. So if uh, you were assigned to one day in Kahuku, uh, Kahuku is like very country, very, very country. Uh, it sounds like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's far away. The backup is not close by. And then if you worked I, in Kaneohe or Kailua, there's, it, it's like more like a, working in a, a mid-sized city, you know? So I got, I got exposure to a lot of different, um, it's almost like different departments actually when you work. And then you, if you worked in Waikiki, that's like, I mean, Phil, now it feels more closer to probably what um, New York City. Yeah. I mean, there was, there's like about 3 million people that go through this, Three oh, block wow. radius uh, throughout the, you know. Three block radius? It's, it's wow. very small. It's, it's small, but like every single person who comes to Oahu is, goes through Waikiki it's, almost. So the two so, questions I have for that department is, um, you kind of made it seem, it, it's like some of it's countryside, some of it is suburban, some of it is city. Are you guys always solo patrol in the area? And how many cops were in the department um, at that time when you were working? Or I guess now, I don't know if it really changed. Yeah. Um, so there's, it's, the only time you ride tandem is with uh, your field training officer. So otherwise you're by yourself, uh, unless you're in a specialized unit. And Honolulu um, PD, so people, that's the only department on the island of Oahu besides the uh, sheriffs. And uh, so one, one million people, uh, population is that big. The department is about 2,000 officers. And uh, so pretty big department. And yeah. um, so I, I'd, I'd, uh, we have about eight Honolulu guys from 
HPD here in Bellevue and I didn't even, I don't think I've even seen any of them before they came. <laughs> that's how big, like the, yeah, the full-time yeah. squad guys, we don't see those guys or if they worked in a different district, I'd, I'd never see them. Um, so yes, it's, it's a, it, it was a good training for me because I got to, like I said, it felt like going in different departments when you worked in the country versus working in Waikiki and um, getting exposure to those two different kind of, I guess, policing styles was really good for me. Now, when you, what would, give us how that, tra the, uh, the transfer went, kind of what made you go from beautiful weather to Bellevue? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the, one of the main factors, uh, when I look back at hindsight, like a lot of people, it's the same reason why a lot of people relocate um, from the islands, uh, super expensive and um, the cost of living, plus the pay being less combined together. As, as a law enforcement officer, the pay was not that, was not that good there. Well, it's, it's better now for sure. You know, I mean, we're talking about like, what is that? 15, 18 years 16, ago, right? He said, yeah. Years, yeah. yeah. Um, but back then it was, I, my salary uh, doubled almost. Mm. After. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a variable that you can't ignore. And, um, that's why a lot of people leave for not just law enforcement, just any job in, in general. I mean, Hawaii is a beautiful place to visit, but to make a living there is not easy. And um, a lot of people get priced out uh, or people go to college on the mainland and then they recognize like, wait a minute, like I could, I could do a, I could work here and earn like 10 to 30, 40 grand more doing the same job that I would be doing back home. So yeah, a lot of lot of island transplants all over the the country, because um, of that. So. so the switch to Bellevue, same thing. Solo patrol. Did you have to go through yeah. FTO again or anything like oh, that? Yeah, same, or, same right. Thing, uh, that back then the hiring process actually for lateral applicants and entry level was identical. So every step okay. was the same. Okay. And uh, man, I like the guys who come in and now they're lucky because they don't have to do like, the PT test or nothing and. Uh, Oh, for the but, lateral guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's real convenient. I had to fly out like two or three times. I think right now we don't have, I think there's just one trip at the end and that's uh, way more streamlined, which I mean, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want it that way too, because you want to get, you know, the best people without inconvenience them as much as possible. But um, right. yeah, FTO, uh, we did that uh, 15 week program and um I think the advantage for me was I went from patrol to patrol. So some people coming in, they're specialized like detectives. I think detective to patrol, is, that's still all right. But, you know, some guys came from like SWAT to patrol. That's, that's a pretty big difference if you full-time SWAT. And then now you're coming back to taking calls, writing reports every day. Really big, yeah. So, yeah, it just depends. Uh, my transition was pretty pretty smooth, I felt like. And uh, I, I, that's partially because I invested a lot of time. I, I had my days off. I drove around the city. I had my radio too, you know, listening to calls back uh, when they were dispatched on our radio more than the computer. And then um, I read reports uh, on my own time too, just to kind of familiarize, familiarize myself with the, the way people write reports up here. And um, so I don't know. I didn't have an option, right? I couldn't fail. So right. Yeah. That's uh, a great mindset. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, it sounds like that transition was, was, was pretty smooth. And, uh, I mean, you're still there, so I guess you enjoyed it, right? You, you like it. Uh, yeah. what bring us into the jiu-jitsu world? When did you start training, uh, BJJ and, uh, kind of what made you go out of all the different fighting styles? What made you go into that one? Yeah. Well, growing up in Hawaii is like, uh, cause of its proximity to where, pretty much in the middle of the Pacific. Uh, there's lots of, lots of people coming in from uh, all over the world and specifically all the countries in Asia, right? Like Japan, China, Korea, Philippines. I mean, all those people come in and they bring all their martial arts to uh, Brazil. And um, so I was, I didn't even realize, but as a kid, you're exposed to uh, a lot of different martial art disciplines growing up. And uh, plus, you know, as a kid, most, most kids, well, I don't know, can speak for everybody, but growing up, I wanted to be like everybody else, like ninja and, you know, um, some kind of, some kind of something with like swords and throwing stars and nunchucks. But um, yeah, so it's huge, huge saturation of martial arts uh, instructors and schools back home. But it, I mean, I got exposed to a lot of them, but not jujitsu, um, which is actually one of the first states in the country that had jujitsu because of uh, Helson Gracie. I think he moved there in the early, mid eighties. So way before the UFC. And, um, you know, like that was one of the first way, states yeah. that were doing jujitsu because nobody else, I mean, there's Henzo, I know he moved to New York, the East coast, but, um, not, not very many places in the United States. And, uh, I didn't really get it. I got one exposure, which is a kind of funny story. I tell people about, um, my first year of patrol. So after the Academy, which had a little bit of grappling in it, uh, just because of, like I said, you can't ignore it. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, uh, even back then in the, in the early 2000s. But uh, first year of patrol in Kaneohe, there was a, there's a jiu-jitsu school there that the instructor um, was super welcoming to police. And um, that's awesome. You know, he, he basically let us train. He's like, just as I, well, how much would it cost? You know, this is back in 2004. So just just pay me like five bucks every time you come in. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's awesome. Can you imagine if every freaking school did that for the well, for the officers right now? Well, so the funny part is I still didn't take it back because I I went to that class and I got uh, through that class, did training, and um, my 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 very that was my very first introduction to actually non uh, law enforcement academy jujitsu. So we did the class and then got training partners, right, doing reps, practicing the the technique of the day. And then the sparring is at the end, just pretty much like a cookie cutter outline of probably 90% of all jujitsu schools. And I uh, was doing the round, five minute rounds, first round with the training partner I, I was paired up with. You know, I was, we started from, I don't know, if, I think we started from, uh, he was, he had the close guard on me. Is when your legs, if you're not jujitsu person, the legs of the, per, the person on their back is crisscrossed behind your back. And, uh, the person on the bottom can do um, submissions and sweeps and stuff like that. And I didn't know any, right? I didn't know any submissions or sweeps. And I was in the guard of my training partner. So I was just gonna, in my brain, I was just like, well, I'm not gonna get submitted. That's my goal. And uh, if that happens at the end of five minutes, then I, and I, did, I did great. So five minutes passes, you know, no submission. And I'm, I'm feeling very good, you know, I was like, yeah. And then I was like, man, and when I thought about it, I was like, I didn't also do nothing to my training partner. You know, I was stuck in his close guard for the whole round, 
it's not really, I mean, it's not bad, I guess, because you're on right, top, right. but we're not punching each other, but it's not a. Now this training partner, is this training partner new too, Craig, or he's a little more experienced? Well, that's the funny part. So I was like, man, that was, that was really good. You know, good job. And um, he told me the jujitsu backhanded compliment, which is, wow, you're very strong. You know, when people say that, then that's not, <laughs> that's like their nice way of saying, you don't have any technique, but uh, he, he told me that. And then I was like, how long have you been training? He goes, oh, about like two and a half years. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And then I was like, well, how old are you? And he goes, 13. <laughs> and then I was like, I was at my physical, you know, I thought my physical peak of 20, your, late 20s. You your know, soul just left your body like out, like, you know, like that SpongeBob meme or whatever, you know what <laughs> I mean? So he was a blue belt then? Dumbbell bench presses and, and I, I, I was controlled by a 13 year old who was underneath me. That's what people don't oh. understand. That's what a lot of people, Craig, and you can probably back me up on this, is they don't understand is if you try to handcuff a 13-year-old boy or a 16-year-old girl, 13-year-old girl, it is not easy. If they're well, resisting one-on-one, it's not like, all right, that's simple. Do you know what I mean? Like people think it is, but they have well, you no know, idea. It's funny because people watch uh, combat sports, right? Wrestling, MMA. And there's a the biggest difference besides rules and not having weapons and... Uh, besides those two things is that the other person the subject who's trying to be taken into custody that person does not have to play so if you have a grappling match or a wrestling match two people are expected to engage mma same thing right there one person's going to engage the other person's also going to engage and you will have a uh a i guess a battle of skills right or or strength and technique but if one person doesn't want to engage that's a completely different situation and it is much, much harder to do anything to a person who is trying to disengage. And all you have to do is to try is like have a person just try like, oh, don't, you don't have to stand. You just back up and move away as the person trying to grab you. It's just that by itself. It's not easy. And I don't think people understand when they see like, wait a minute, how come you can't just control, you know, just without any technique and you add technique to that, then it gets even, you know, the right. other person having some kind of way to break holds and escape from things that's even worse but even without that is i think it there, there's a presumption or a, a misconception of how a confrontation looks and uh, if the other person isn't trying to play it's much much more difficult to to um to gain control biting right uh squeezing well, and then you know god forbid they could be you don't know what they have on them right it's like and anything goes it's it's uh it's a street fight. That's really what it is. Yeah, the, the other variables make it uh, a lot more dangerous. And, um, you know, I think the, diff- the reason why jiu-jitsu is so good for those situations is because not that a person is going to be disengaging from you the whole time in a training, in a sparring, but um, it's very unlikely that you will be put in positions in a real confrontation that you wouldn't be put in in jiu-jitsu. Um, like, I can't really think of any, like I'm talking about body to body positions, right? right. Um, and it's very unlikely that an untrained person is going to have you put in a position where it's like, I've never been there before. If you have uh, training and that comfort and that, I guess, kind of uh, the peace of mind that comes from that is very, it's powerful. Yeah, the, the serenity, the, uh, the, if you're able to <clears throat> basically you know, use your technique until backup comes and hopefully you're able to call backup, you know, only, for, you know, three, four minutes. Think about it. You even said 
uh, you were in someone's guard for five minutes. So hopefully that's enough time for back for, you know, backup to come. Um, obviously in New York city, there's a, there's a lot of new technique rules and uh, use of force that it's really tough for, uh, you know, guys or girls of this department of no pressure on the back, no, no pressure yeah. on the chest. Um, really, uh, really kind of crazy things. But um, if I came up to you, Craig, I'm putting you on the spot here. And uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cop. I'm the new cop and you're in Bellevue. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? It's uh, my name's Frank. Uh, and I see you train jujitsu a lot. Like uh, I'm thinking about training and starting up, but like, why should I train jujitsu as a cop? Like sell me on that. Well, if we were in our station, I would say, let's go to the DT room and uh, uh, we'll have me be on underneath you for our, from different positions on my back, on my stomach, um, any position you want to be on top of me. And all you have to do is just don't let me get up. Just whatever position I'll be, I'll start on my back and then I'll flip over to my stomach prone. And you can be, any position you want on the top of me, just don't let me get up. That's the only objective. Don't hit me, don't punch me in the face. But uh, you know, when I stand up on my both feet, then the, we'll end the scenario. And then after whatever many times that would be, like four or five times, then I would be on top of you. And then I'll tell you the same thing. Okay, I'm not gonna let you get up, but you, your goal is to get to your feet. And then we'll see how that uh, transpires. And then uh, every time I've done that a few times with uh, different people, even some applicants, and um, it's perfect. I'm the perfect, like if you had to pick a person. And that's why I asked you how, how your size, because it's, <laughs> it's perfect. Those, yeah. those kind of demonstrations are not impressive if the person doing it is six foot, 200 pounds. It just doesn't translate. Or it looks like, well, that's because the person is six foot, 200 pounds or whatever it is. And um, when you have a person who's like my size, being able one, not for both ends, being able to stand up, most of the time against an untrained person, like every single rep and then flipping it over and the, at that person not being able to, I think that really, it makes people, you know, as much as you can from watching jujitsu, which is not the best way to, to, I guess, feel its effectiveness, but, uh, or see its effectiveness. It's, um, it's as close as you can get. And uh, when, when people see those just demonstrations like that, I think, and then the person who is experiencing it, it was you, you, you know, like the guys who um, come in to the station for tours and, and stuff like that for outreach, we, I think it, it really emphasizes a point that uh, the, it shows the value of training. If you know what to do, it, I mean, if a person can, if you can hold a person down without hurting them, like what is, what is better than right, that? Right, exactly. And I was going to bring up to you, uh, you've definitely probably seen the video, like when the, uh, when Hensel Gracie, they went to, I think it was down in Georgia or they went down South and that whole department implemented the BJJ and like use of force went down 50% injuries went down. Um, officer injuries went down. Um, you know, people, unfortunately dying went down and it was crazy statistics. Um, yes. And, yeah, Henry. Go ahead. you know, the video I'm talking about, or have you seen the article, the article on that or no? Yeah, no, I'm lucky because uh, I know you mentioned earlier about my start of jujitsu and my first exposure to jujitsu besides that 13-year-old uh, in the school in Kaneohe was at uh, Torrance with Henry and Hidon and their wow. long-term course back in 2008. Wow. And that, that course was what made me begin uh, training. Um, like so I said, that how, how many years now you've been training? 
uh so what is that like this is going into 13 okay and so um, what's, what what belt are you right now for listeners to know a purple belt and um you know the belt ranking system in jiu-jitsu obviously is, is very um there's not very many colors so people don't know it's just white blue purple brown black and there are stripes or uh i guess degrees for four degrees for every belt and um yeah, it takes a while i mean i I stopped caring about what rank I am like a long time ago. And, um, you know, I feel like the main purpose for me is not what belt color I am. It's work applicability and just a fun thing to do that is also practical and functional. And um, training for your life to survive and your partner's life and people on the street. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Right. I'm happy you said that egotistically. If you're a a black a brown belt or if you're a blue belt but you're still doing the right things out there on the street the blue belt you're not getting hurt your partner's not getting hurt you're not freaking you know using your taser or or beating the crap out of someone with your hands every single time and you know what you're doing out there i mean that's really what it's all about this is from my point of view you know what i mean oh yeah for sure and like um when you mentioned henner's uh, the data that was put out by Marietta PD. And um, I mean, it's not even surprising, right? I, mean, I don't think anybody who's training would be surprised by the fact that, what well, you have less injuries to the officer, less injuries to the subject, less uh, yeah. taser defense. I mean, uh-huh. it makes complete sense because if you have more comfort using body-to-body control, you don't need to, the likelihood of getting hurt is less and the likelihood of escalating force is less. And um you know, if you have more force options between nothing and deadly force, I mean, why? It's right. I think the hard part we never had a department that had data like that before that can, you know, say with keep uh, showing. And the um, unfortunately, what's going on in the, in the country today with the whole, you know, the whole George Floyd incident, we're not really going to get into that, but that's like a that's going to be now in my mind hard to push to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and stuff like that, even though it's not really getting into that, but um. It's definitely uh, something that officers should look into, and hopefully they they will. And also, let's talk about talking about taking care of yourself, not even tactically wise, but fitness wise. Craig, what is your what's your? Because I I've when I I just started jujitsu myself, but training strongman in jujitsu it can kind of beat your body up. So, what kind of uh, fitness work does Craig do for Craig that he that he enjoys to do if it's you know conditioning weightlifting or kind of what's your day in the gym look like yeah that's a hard hard thing to I mean people recognize really quickly that if they come from a fitness background or some kind of exercise background and you do something like jiu-jitsu that that's a it's a lot of it's, it's almost too much work right because that's like doing two full-time and the body can only take too much, especially as a cop. I don't have to explain this to you, but for the listeners, it's so much stress on the body and the nervous system, especially if you're working different tours and changing and people are just like, Oh, I'm, I'm a bitch. I'm tired. Or like, no, this is the human body. It can only take so much. And then if you're not eating right, that's even going to make everything worse. Then you're prone to stress, which is prone to drinking, prone to depression, prone to anxiety and, and that whole little rabbit hole. So yeah, the I mean that piece, the 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 food intake piece. That's a, I mean, you could do a whole other thing on that one, but uh, right, absolutely right. And uh, I think I think the hard part or doing for me. So you asked about fitness. Um, mostly I do body weight stuff. If it's going to be with resistance, I use kettlebells. Um, that was really different from before because before I used to do like the traditional body. Back and buys, chest and tries. 
Yeah, I mean, that's how everybody trained, right? And, and I think that's, that's the that's typical 17, 18 year old, uh, you know, of course. split. Yeah. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Right? That, that's better than nothing, right? That's better than not having it. 100%, 100%. Yeah. But if we're going to split hairs and, and, and pick stuff, you know, the transference of uh, perform from that to performance, it doesn't, it doesn't always work. Uh, it, it, there's not always a trans translation from the gym uh, output to the street, right? When you're doing bicep curls, right. I mean, uh, nothing wrong with that. But, um, you know, I think the, the type of exercise should be at some point for us, some kind of functional, something that can reflect what we, what we need that physical condition for. And um, that's why jujitsu is good because that's the most practical application of a fitness component. Um, and I think the challenge, like you said, is if, if you can be doing, you know, classes that have sparring every single class, I mean, that's a lot of work right there. And, um, you know, over a course of a week, you might, you might not be able to do anything else. So I think, I think in the beginning, the reason why Henner's, uh, to me, in my opinion, Henner's, affiliates, the brothers uh, in Torrance there, they have good success because the Marietta PD used um, one of their certified training centers as their uh, location that they started a lot of their recruits in the training, if you uh, look at the report. And uh, the way they introduce new people to jiu-jitsu, uh, white belts, they don't do any sparring. There's no- Right, it's there's months, no... right? It's months of it. And even when you start to spar, it not they start on your knees? They don't even go standing up for a while, or is that right? Well, they have standing up. Uh, like, like when you roll live, I meant like when, like he's talking about, right. They're not really oh. going, it's not like your first day. All right. Roll with no. Craig or roll with this yeah. other white belt. And you're going to be like two chickens without a head. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's value to that. And then, I mean, I, I like to feel that myself, but I feel like right now I know what I'm doing. So it's completely different from two brand new people, like you said. And um, I think one of the challenges for jujitsu is that to uh, kind of hold people's enthusiasm back, uh, for their own good, because like, you know, what happened, you were mentioning yourself and other injuries. I mean, if you really think about it, it's not even a surprise where you have a brand new person and another brand new person, and then you make them spar and then one of them gets hurt. It's like, of course, it's like, of, why, why? It's almost surprising when they don't get, when you don't have an injury, because nobody understands the, the hierarchy of positions or very little. And you know, you have, you have, uh, and then you add intensity to that. And the the idea to want to win right which is a normal human uh reaction and behavior it is a bad combination and i think that's what yeah. that's one of the reasons why jiu-jitsu is so hard and it's what's the attrition is so high because people people get exposed to that to me if you if you're talking about you know getting it to impact the most people having the prefer, having the person spar right away is a mistake because if you have a 40 something year old beginner and they go with a 21-year-old college athlete, then what do you think is going to happen? The old person who probably needs jujitsu more is going to feel like they can't do it, and then they're going to quit. The mindset. Why am I going to come in here if I'm going to get beat up every no. single time? There's no person. And, and you know what? The crazy part, I think back in the 80s, there were people who, that's, that was the badge of honor for like, you know, people think I'm out of my mind. And right. I, I've heard uh, the Cobra, first generation. Cobra Kai. Yeah, well, they, they there was no other way, right? It's like, right. if you can't handle this, out. there's the door and, yeah. and, and see you later. And, and that's, there's, a, there's a value to that kind of 
training, but I mean, you won't, you won't impact it's them. It's not for time. everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's not <laughs> clearly exactly. not. Exactly. It's so. and, and not especially in today's world. Um, the, the uh, when you go, when you, I want to go rewind real quick about that sparring every day for a week. And that's so key for like, <clears throat> for first responders, because if you're training really, really hard every day and then you go to work and you're sore or you're a little hurt, that could be the day that, you know, you trained tactically, you trained smart throughout the week. And then that's the day that it might save your life. Same thing with like, you were talking about, it's like training for your sport, right? Training for our sport. We have to, I say, we have to treat our bodies like we're athletes because we are. Everyone gets help. Look at every baseball player, football player, basketball. They all have pitching coaches, throwing coaches, hitting coaches, nutritionists, speed and agility coaches, strength coaches, right? So why, why don't, why don't we, or why, why can't we do the best that we can, right? Of course they're getting paid. But in my mind, we have to treat our body like we're athletes because we play that role of many hats out there. So, well, yeah. Go, well, go if ahead, you think about ahead. the stakes for us, is even higher. Oh, like a, a, winning a million, or losing a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a game. Then, yeah, and it's then, not. And then all those things that you said, um, you know, I don't think there's any any pro sport of any. Any, any kind doesn't have a person who participates in a professional athlete the day before the game, they're not doing like heavy leg day, right? And we're not even going yeah. beyond due to like just any exercise. Um, it's the same thing. Like you said, I mean, if, if you're, if you're a, the, the exercise and the conditioning and the training should supplement the work, not hinder it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's a hard, I, I think that's, that's a, it's a hard boundary for guys to go. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, you you go you go do legs right before you uh, come to work, and you have a foot pursuit. It's like not gonna be good, <laughs> right? It's not yeah. gonna be good. No, not at all. And that's what we're trying to just be mindful of your training. Don't max deadlift uh, if you know you know you have a long week ahead. It's a hot July summer, uh, you know. But ego for cops is hard to break, right, Craig? As you probably know, yeah. um, just with your experience, not even general. Your experience is a lot of. You know, 18 years on the job, uh, you know, been through a lot, seen a lot. And uh, no, I, I appreciate you uh, coming in and share the show. Is there, uh, before we, we, we end here, I, I have a few more personal questions, but if there's a, is there anything that you wanted to say to, and to listeners right now that are first responders or not, or, you know, anything you uh, just wanted to say in general? Yeah. I mean, I try to share some of the good stuff we do for our community on my platform and instagram is the main that's the main one um it's just my name craig hanaumi c-r-a-i-g-h-a-n-a-u-m-i and um i mean i don't think cops need to see that but um like i share it to partly showcase you know what we do for our community with our community to other people who i mean people who live here too but i think just to kind of balance it out because right? the some a lot of times the good stuff doesn't get captured at all. And if it is, then nobody shares it. So, you know, yeah, it's a, little, a little way I can kind of contribute to the, the balancing out of the what's available. That's how I look at it. One more question for you to put you on the spot. And then we'll go into some personal questions. Those will be easy for you. You just became the rank of sergeant. 
okay you have a you are um you have a squad of like 10 to 15 new cops that came to you their first roll call what are you saying to these guys and girls well that's hard because like i'm not i'm not really looking to promote right now but since you since you pose it like that you know (laughs) more of like a leadership role of new cops yeah yeah, yeah, you're gonna be saying to them yeah I mean, if it was completely up to me without any kind of parameters, would be yeah, uh, would be great. doing our would be doing our roll call in the the training room. <laughs> I'm not even joking. We'll yeah, doing I believe it. Of some kind of simple, you know, like review of something or uh, talking about some team tactics, maybe. Um, I don't know. I I think um, that's my that's my thing, right? And I'm not I'm not really good at doing motivational speeches or anything like that. That's not my, that's not my cup of tea, but, um, you know, I know what I'm good at and what I'm good at is kind of sharing kinesthetically what would be beneficial to other people. And, um, I don't know. I don't think we, that's the only, that's the only hobby. Like I wouldn't bring my, I would say, well, if you guys play an instrument, bring it to the briefing. Walking out of the roll call. Some, some, uh, low brass practice or, uh, you know, wind ensemble, uh, briefing, training. <laughs> it doesn't, nothing else, none of my other hobbies translate. Like nobody else skateboards or uh, anything else. So right, that's, that's, all gonna, <laughs> but that's actually a good point, Craig. Imagine five to seven minutes of every day just from re- just reviewing one move every day. Like one move on a Monday, another move on a Tuesday. Then Wednesday, you go back to Monday's move. Then Thursdays, you go back to Tuesday's move. And you just keep reviewing it reviewing it reviewing it i think that would be a pretty cool study to see um you know how guys and girls feel because you know they're you know the number one excuse i don't have enough time i can't go to the gym for 30 minutes i can't you know how am i going to lift weights and do jiu-jitsu you know what i mean but i think that would be pretty interesting so um yeah no it adds up those little deposits add up i mean it's five minutes a day or five minutes every workday times four times 12 i mean yeah it's a long time and then you compare it to what was before which is zero right yeah exactly well craig let's uh again before we wrap up i'm going to spit some questions out at you do my you ready all right let's do it favorite movie top one or two what comes to your mind favorite movie man what is the last movie i i don't know um i'll go back way back and uh we do uh, Ghostbusters. Nice. Okay. Back to the Future is like tied with that. Back to the Future started me skateboarding, so I gotta, I gotta ah, McFly. Right there, you go. I just, <laughs> I just used that reference today. The flux capacitor. I said my laptop's <laughs> like the flux capacitor. It takes forever to start out. Um, if you have one meal to eat for the rest of your life every day, and there's no, you know, negative nutrition effects, what are you going with? I already know that one. Acai bowl. Ah, <laughs> that's the first one we got in here. And this is your the 35, 35th episode. That's the first one. What are you putting in it? I have the good genetics to, uh, <laughs> I have the predisposition to be able to eat the same thing over and over and over and over and not get bored of it. Like I have the gift of that, luckily. <laughs> what, what are you putting in the bowl? Um, I put some kind of contrasting, like crunchy thing, like a granola. And then, um, Blueberry, uh, maybe strawberry, uh, cacao nib, oh, make co- yeah. uh, coconut flakes. Just standard, nothing crazy. Yeah, nothing that, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. 
um one one workout one main compound barbell lift and then a, a super set with that if you had that do that every single day so you have two movements a main movement and then a accessory movement every single day again your recovery is is perfectly fine you don't get affected by it what are you going with oh geez probably i'll do uh power cleans okay, and uh go. what is the other one like an accessory uh, movement? yeah just one. Oh geez um with the barbell or just no it could be anything it could be body oh, weight dumbbells kettlebells anything yeah sandbag yeah, power, power, power cleans and um swings some kind of kettlebell, swing. kettlebell swings yeah yeah a lot of explosiveness in the full body basically with the uh and if you go overhead with the kettlebell then you'll be able to hit the shoulders so then you're good you know what i mean right <laughs> um one person to hang out with dead or alive um to hang out with for the day oh geez who are you hanging yeah. out with who do i hang out with i don't even know um a little gracie that's a enter and he done's a grandfather yeah just just because i'm you know he's kind of like my thighs and kind of he's a little responsible for the jiu-jitsu movement coming to the united states well i mean it wasn't for him none of the kids and grandkids would be doing anything and we'd, we'd probably be doing um some other art <laughs> right yeah i know that's a good one a lot of wisdom for that day if that if that happens uh last question you come to new york i'm like yo what's up craig i'm like yo check this out we go behind my house i lift up a tarp it's a time machine you can go in the future or you can go in the past it's funny that you brought up back to the future where are you <laughs> going any any time any 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 time um as craig today as as you are right now it could be 20 years ago it could yeah. be 200 years ago I'll, I'll go back to uh my my in the 80s when i grew up and try to make sure i tell myself that um all these random hobbies or sports that i'm doing is going to pay off and uh don't listen to anybody what they're uh you know, just tell myself the same thing a lot of people would tell their uh younger self which is like just be yourself and you know if you have an interest that people don't think is popular or cool um then just ignore them and just keep doing it beautifully said craig beautifully said well on that note man i really appreciate you coming on the show everyone my name is frank you guys know where to find me at reps underscore four underscore responders uh, you can find this episode uh, this episode will be on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts. it'll be on youtube and our instagram for the podcast is inside the lab um, and that's all underscores and you can find that on our instagram you can email us at responders at gmail.com and all that good stuff and craig you said it before but we'll say it again hit us where can they find you at yes uh craig hanumi on instagram c-r-a-i-g-h-a-n-a-u-m-i thank you frank so um, keep up the good work you guys are doing over there thanks a lot man i really appreciate it and um hopefully one day we can get a training session down the road i'll have to figure oh, yeah. it out 100 so. just let go when i tap <laughs> <laughs> all right man have a good day all right all right you too see you